It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses. Hey friends, in November of 2021, Nate Fisher joined me to talk about a huge rose garden project he was taking on and to share his ideas on how to revitalize our communities. Well, he's back today to give us an update on the garden. But there's so many other things I want to talk with this busy father of three about. He's recently started hybridizing roses. Mm -hmm. And if Facebook is to be believed, he's a master at cooking on the big green egg. And I've observed that he's also a master at making his hobbies family friendly. Yes, there's much to learn from Nate. So let's get started. Hey, Nate, welcome back to Rose Chat. Hey, thanks for having me back. Oh, I'm so glad to talk to you. I I just love following all that you're doing on social media and you're just, you're into a lot. And it's really hard to believe that it's been almost two years since we chatted about the Hopewell Park Garden Project. Wow. <laughs> I, I know. Now this was a large multifaceted project. So where are you now? So at this point, uh, it feels like we're kind of trying to tie up loose ends to get it, you know, completely open. So we have all but the um, climbing roses that'll go on the arbors planted. We have a bunch of annuals planted. The walkways and the edging are in. The gazebo's in. The fence is in. So um, the arbors are um, about to be installed. They were um, delivered maybe two weeks ago or so. And um, the benches should be coming pretty much any day now. So pretty excited about that too. Now, last year when you were posting almost every day, you posted about how many roses were coming in. So it just seemed like roses by the thousands were coming in. How many roses are there? So there are 672 roses inside of the fence. And then there's another... 18 um, at the entrance uh, to the garden outside of the fence. So, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of roses. I'm sure you have help. Do you have good help? Yes. So um, we, during the planting stage, which was um, this past fall, we, um, there's a, a group called Volunteer LV, which is a um, nonprofit that um, works at connecting other nonprofits with volunteers from the community, um, people that need to do community service hours, whether it's, you know, Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or different uh, college organizations or um, probation departments. Um, so it connects all of these different nonprofits with potential volunteers. So we had um, a Boy Scout troop in the fall that helped with planting. And we also had the Lehigh University hockey team um, which was great because we had, you know, maybe 20 athletic guys coming and digging a bunch of holes for us. So 
um, that was pretty helpful. <laughs> I bet it was. You know, I see some of the shows where they're using these arbors to dig holes. You didn't by ha- chance have an arbor, did? I mean, what, what are they called? Auger. Planters. Augers. There you go. Yeah. Augers. You so, didn't by chance have any augers, did you? We had uh, we had two augers. Um, Tyler, who is, um, he was on the board last year. He works for the Allentown Parks Department. And in the fall, he brought one of the Parks Department's augers. And then the following weekend that he wasn't able to attend, we did wind up renting one. So uh, that definitely helped. But um, with all of the rocks, it's still kind of difficult, even with the auger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you just don't know what's lying below the surface. So you do have to go in with those things pretty carefully. Now, I'm looking at a picture that has a brick pathway uh, was that something that used as a fundraising project? It looks wonderful. So, yes, um, that was a portion of the fundraising. So basically everything that um, you can see in the park was a potential fundraiser. So we sold engraved bricks for the walkways. We sold um, the naming rights for the gazebo, um, plaques, on the benches Mm -hmm. um and then there um, are some like larger granite pavers for the walkways that'll get installed at some point um yeah so basically anything that um we could use in the garden to try and raise funds that's uh what we did (laughs) excellent now um are there just roses in this garden are there other plants too so there are uh Probably another, goodness, maybe another 600 uh, various bulbs, um, a bunch of different kinds of alliums. I really like, um, personally, I really like alliums. And um, I've tried to pick some that bloom kind of throughout um, Mm -hmm. spring, early summer and late summer. And then we also planted a bunch of annuals. So we planted um, zinnias and adriatum, um, alyssum. Uh, marigolds, and then in the um, walkways towards the entrance. We haven't done the surrounding pollinator garden yet. We're going to be working with the township on that. But the entrance, I did a um, veterans tribute bed. So all of the plants there are either red, white, or blue. So we did um, we did like a white um, milkweed. We did uh, veterans honor and never forget uh, both those roses we did uh, forget me nots and then there's a bunch of various bulbs and stuff that are going in there too so oh it's going to be so pretty I love alliums too and I'm trying to do the same thing here I'll have to look at your list at the later blooming ones it seems all of them you know are so early in the season I just yeah. love having them out there so now, um, what else is planned for this park? I know that it, it's you're, you're one part and it's a bigger picture. So what other things is yes. um, going to be a part of this? So this whole area used to be um, farmland and the township wound up purchasing this, uh, I think it's 92 acres mm-hmm. and it's fairly a fairly recent project. So there was an elementary school on a small section of this um, land, and they wound up actually building a brand new elementary school right next to it and uh, knocking down the old one. And then they put uh, the 
parking lots and all of the walkways and stuff in place. But they have uh, pickleball courts, they have uh, basketball, volleyball, uh, there's a bunch of soccer slash lacrosse fields, um, there's a pavilion, there's restrooms, there's, um, again, tons of walking paths. Um, oh, there's nice. actually a retirement community right next to the park, and they've kind of connected the walking paths from the park into that retirement community, so a lot of people from there walk through. Um, but they're planning on installing an outdoor amphitheater, and then they're working on getting some grants to do um, like a native pollinator trail um, oh, nice. from the amphitheater down to there's um, kind of like a couple a couple ponds down toward the back of the property. So they want to basically connect the amphitheater to the ponds down at the bottom with this, you know, it'll be like 1800 feet long path. Um, and then they're hoping to tie the grant from that into the pollinator garden that'll surround the rose garden. Oh, nice. Well, let's get back to the rose garden for just a moment. And the, this whole project that you've taken on, um, and, um, are there any tips that you have for someone who's considering taking on such a project? Yes. Um, the, <laughs> well, quite a few. Uh, the main thing, honestly, I think is to be flexible. So um, there have been a tremendous amount of changes from my initial design, just off of like availability of plants mm -hmm. or, you know, funding or um, suggestions from others or um, like, for example, one thing, the bricks, we got different bricks than we were originally planning on, mainly because there is a brick supplier that was nearby that was willing to kind of give us a discount. So, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So there's just a, a lot of different things that you kind of have to be flexible with. Um, so that's part of it. And then um, having a good team of people um, is always really important. Um, so we have um, people that are, you know, reaching out to various groups for fundraising. There's uh, myself, I was um, kind of coordinating the um, volunteers for the like planting and, and things like that. Um, there's and then, you know, like working with the township and stuff like that. So there's um, a lot of people involved in the project. Um, yeah, so having a good team to work with is important. So what were some of your biggest hurdles? And we had gotten through COVID, so that was probably not much of an issue. But I'm sure there were hurdles. You, you talked about the um, supplies and that sort of thing. Yes. So um, even though it was, you know, kind of towards the end of, of COVID, it's still, um, there's still a lot of supply chain issues that we were mm -hmm. facing, um, like, for example, with the fence. So originally, when we were kind of budgeting for the project, the fence materials, now it's a, a, a very large fence, but the fence materials were supposed to be about $8,000. And then um, maybe three, four months later, when we were planning on ordering the fence materials uh they had skyrocketed up to like twenty thousand. so so just um like that sort of thing um was was difficult 
towards the beginning of the project, there were several things that wound up being a lot more than initially we had budgeted for. So, mm-hmm. You know, um, I live out not too far from town, but enough that I have lots of critter issues. And knowing that you have this big, nice fence, you know, gives me a lot of peace of mind for you. So... <laughs> you can hopefully keep the critters out. Um, we'd like to see them at the edge, not inside. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's um, that's kind of one thing that's nice. Well, nice and not nice um, at the same time about the park is because it's brand new. They don't have a tremendous amount of landscaping put in yet. Mm-hmm. So um, there are they haven't put in, you know, a couple hundred trees, actually, but there's no, um, like, shrubs or flowers or anything um, throughout the park. It's it's mostly just a sea of grass at this point. Now, mm-hmm. the township wants to do a lot of landscaping and a lot of, you know, pollinator plants and stuff, which is awesome, but we're kind of thinking that um, there's enough on the edge of the, the park perimeter to keep the deer busy that they don't wander all the way into the rose garden that's good i I like that i like that well um it's been a wonderful project and it's been fun to watch so hats off to you and all those who've worked on the rose garden project we love to get roses where people are walking for sure now um let's talk about your spare time (laughs) you've started a new facet of your rose hobby hybridizing. So how'd you get interested in that? Well, um, in my spare time. <laughs> I'm teasing. I, I oh. uh, fun to try. Um, I'm just always been interested in kind of the, the scientific aspects of, of mm-hmm. plants. So um, I started crossing different roses uh, last year. And then in the fall, I collected um, you know, a bunch of rose hips. I had maybe 249 rose hips that I collected. And then I got um, maybe 2,500 rose seeds from those. And then um, I wound up putting them in the fridge for um, stratification for a couple months. And the entire time I was doing this, I was so, it, I mean, it it takes a long time to you know, crack open all of the rose hips and, and catalog all the seeds and you know count them and sort them and all that stuff. I was so concerned that nothing would germinate and it was, I was just so worried about that. And so um, I, after a couple of months in the fridge, I put them in germination trays. Um, I had this whole setup in the basement um, with uh, wire shelving metal, wire mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and um, LED grow lights and I wound up as soon as um, I got some seedlings germinating I was just thrilled um, so I had I would say about 260 out of the 2500 <laughs> germinate um, which is kind of low but um, I think they've said that if you have between 10 and 30 percent germination rate that that's kind of what you should expect especially just starting out so um as they grew i lost maybe 20 um so right now i'm at around 240 249 i think 
seafood. That is so impressive to me. Those are great numbers. I mean, <laughs> that is a lot. That's a lot of, of rose hips. That's a lot of work. You just don't do anything by half, do you? No. That's, that's impressive. And, you know, you're saying you're in the basement. And I think of the story that Will Radler tells of the knockout rose that was it came from his basement. So <laughs> you're in good company. You're in good company there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anytime I get interested in something, I just kind of like dive headfirst into it and, and kind of go all out with it. But, um, yeah, so we had an electrician come in because I was concerned about, you know, how many um, grow lights and, and heat mats and stuff like that I was putting in the basement. So we had some extra um, outlets and, and breakers installed. And uh, yeah, so um, after they after they germinated, um, I wound up potting them up into four inch pots. Um, but in the meantime, while all of this was going on, I was working on putting together a business plan for a local farming incubator program. So um, there are farming incubator programs across the U.S. Uh, there are, I want to say, two in Pennsylvania. One is out, I believe, near Pittsburgh. But then the other one just happened to be about 10 minutes from my house, which was extremely good luck. <laughs> oh, my so, goodness. I would say so. Yeah. So it's a um, it's a 42 acre farm in Emmaus, which is in the Lehigh Valley. And there are, I want to say, seven of us um, incubator farmers in the program at the moment. So um, the farm is called the Seed Farm. And it's operated by um, Second Harvest Food Bank, um, which is a program of the Community Action Center of the Lehigh Valley. So it's this big nonprofit um, branch of, of the nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So um, there are, um, yeah, about seven of us, and we can rent anywhere from a quarter of an acre up to, I believe, five acres and increasing in, you know, quarter acre, quarter acre increments. And then they also have greenhouse space that you can rent. And then there's um, all sorts of various tools that you can use. And then there are three tractors and a um, BCS two-wheel tractor that we can use as well. And then there's a farm manager and an assistant farm manager. And they work with the incubator farmers, you know, if we have questions about irrigation or, or different things like that, or how to use equipment, they like train us on the tractors and things like that. And then they grow, I want to say it's a two acre plot of fruits and vegetables for the um, food bank itself so that they have fresh produce. Mm -hmm. So good. And so, and that's where you're growing your roses? Yes. So after I moved the rose seedlings to the four-inch pots, mm -hmm. um, I'm renting three uh, tables inside the greenhouse. And um, I moved them over to the greenhouse, and then they grew in the four-inch pots for a little while, and then I bumped them up to uh, gallon-sized uh, gallon pots. And um, I'm about to move them from the greenhouse out into my field, not in the ground, but I've put tables out 
in my field mm-hmm. as well. So I'm going to put them out there uh, just because the greenhouse is getting so hot right now. This is so exciting. I mean, what, how fortunate to have this right in practically in your backyard. Yes. So yeah. this is, this is outstanding. Now you're obviously learning about farming from those there. What about hybridizing? Are there groups in maybe the American Rose Society or some of the, the um, organizations that have hybridizing forums that people can learn from? Yes. So um, I have to mention the uh, Rose Hybridizers Association. I joined that uh, in the summer of last year and um they're an absolutely tremendous resource. There's a couple publications that they've put out, um, hybridizing for beginners, and then I think it's called Rose Hybridizing, The Next Step. Mm-hmm. And in those two publications, they have a bunch of um, sections written by various hybridizers um, that are just tremendous resource um, you know, recommendations on seed parents and pollen parents and how to keep track of their crosses and, and all sorts of things like that. So that's been tremendously helpful. And they have a Facebook group that a lot of people post in um, asking questions or sharing, you know, their Mm -hmm. roses and and things like that. So that's been really cool. Well, that, that sounds very helpful. And I've seen pictures of some of your new roses and you're doing well. They're pretty. You're on your way for sure. Thank you. So exciting. Now we talked about your farm. So now let's go back and talk about your garden. So tell us about your garden. So I wound up, um, well, right now at the farm, I'm renting a quarter acre. So it is five times the size of our property. (laughs) (laughs) So we have like 0.05 acres at home. And, um, I wound up just for the sake of space, moving most of my roses from our home to the farm. So I think I'm down to nine roses at home. Oh. <laughs> but um, in the meantime, I've uh, I'm really trying to add more of the like native plants. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been working on adding a bunch of those and trying to get. The, um, so Penn State, Penn State Extension has a, um, you can go through this process to get certified as a pollinator garden. So I'm working on that. And then also getting my garden certified as a monarch way station. So that, um, we have a bunch of different types of milkweed and, and um, things like that at, at home. So. Oh, so nice. Now, so um Speaking of your garden, so often we get to see pictures of your children using the garden. And I just love how the whole family is involved in everything that you do. So it's really inspiring to see. And I'm wondering if you could share some tips um, for other parents on how to get kids interested in the garden and in the things that you're doing. So um, definitely start them young. (laughs) Um, We've had our kids involved in gardening since, I mean, I remember seeing pictures of Owen, our youngest, climbing into a raised garden bed when he was, you know, maybe, maybe a year old, (laughs) Um, just like climbing through the tomato plants and stuff. So um, we've just always had them outside with us. Uh, Anytime we've been gardening, uh, we've encouraged them 
to, you know, go out. Uh, oh, and anytime he sees a rose, he runs up to it and shoves his nose right into the flower to smell it. So, <laughs> um, so they just, um, it's, it's neat to see them kind of develop preferences into what types of flowers they enjoy. Um, and then giving them something, you know, just starting off, like, go in the garden center and pick out a flower that you love that you want to take care of by yourself and Mm -hmm. so for them to just have you know this this ownership and this responsibility over this plant just Mm -hmm. gives them a tremendous amount of of fun and um they love that so anytime you know they go out to the garden oh i have to water my dahlia or you know they're all focused on on their plants which is kind of neat to see I think I've seen um, you're building projects with them too. Maybe, maybe they were raised beds or maybe they were window boxes. I'm not sure. But, oh, um, window boxes, yeah. Yeah. Did you put together window boxes for them or something? Yes. So um, I, a couple of years ago, I built them a playhouse in the backyard and then I um, built window boxes for it. So they have um, a fun time every spring you know, going and picking flowers for their window boxes for that year. And then they plant, plant their flowers in, in their window box each spring. So, Oh, that's neat. Well, it is really sweet to see you and Tess have such a beautiful family. And I just love to see you guys when you're all out and about doing your thing. And even, you know, when you've been in the Rose Garden, I see that the children are there and they're right in the middle of all the, all of the excitement. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Kira loves pruning. So she gets all excited to go out into the garden and, and prune roses. And um, Owen loves going through and watering everything. So they'll oh, Perfect. I could use some help pruning. So I'm sure that that's something that people are very welcome to have her do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now for the hard question. What are your favorite roses this year? What's really standing out to you? Uh, um, I would say Orchid Romance is probably one that's really stood out. Um, just how many blooms I've been getting on it um, mm. has been really, really neat to see. And then uh, your Petite Peach Rose, um, that has done really well. I just got that this year uh, from High Country Roses and enjoy that one. Um, I think what else? There's... Um, I always have a soft spot for distant drums. Um, I really like that one. Oh, it's such a beautiful rose. The only complaint I ever hear is not enough of, of blooms, but it is sure pretty. I actually haven't had that problem. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would, I've gotten a fair amount of blooms off of it, and I'm actually I'm pretty excited because I have a. Um, a rose seedling that I've bred off of distant drums that has Ooh. similar coloring to it. So we'll see how that one does. But Oh, the coloring is yeah. just <laughs> remarkable. You know, there's very few roses like that. So you'll be onto something if you get us another one for sure. Yeah, I'm really hoping that it maintains that coloring as it matures, but it's, mm-hmm. it's probably one of my favorite seedlings that I have so far. And then I would say, let's see, Generous Gardener has done a tremendous job for me. Um, It's one of my climbers. That's one of the roses, well, two, because I have two of them, that I kept at home. I have them trained on arbors, and I just 
it's covered in blooms and I just love that one. I really like that one too. I have a couple of those. One of them is getting eaten by an evergreen tree, but it keeps climbing up the tree. And, um, and you know, it isn't like a rambler is going to take over or anything. It is a well-behaved climber, but it is just beautiful. And it is one of the healthiest roses in my garden, I would yes. say. Yeah. So Generous Gardener and Florentina, they're both climbers and they're both um, some of my, probably my healthiest ones. Florentina gives me great sprays. Um, I really like that one too. Is that one red? Yes. Yep. Florentina red. Big um, red open blooms. And you you also show at rose shows, right? Yes. Yep. So what what are the roses that you're getting the most attention with there? Um, honestly, Florentina <laughs> is wow. Um, so. I went, um, I do West Jersey's Rose Show and Penn Jersey District, and then I've done Connecticut Rose Society's Rose Show this year and the year before. Um, It's fun to drive up to Connecticut. It's not too far away. And then, you know, we stay the weekend and and visit um, the uh, Elizabeth Park Conservancy, the um, Helen S. Conan Rose Garden up there. yeah, so Florentina was big for me this year. I entered that in a bunch of different categories. Um, yeah, that did pretty well. Uh, Cutie Pie, one of my miniatures, um, that's done well. Um, i trying to think what else. Charlotte, um, a David Austin. That's yeah. a yellow one, right? Yes, yeah. That's probably... That's probably my favorite yellow David Austin. Um, it's just a, a pretty healthy shrub for me and um, covered in blooms. And I love the bloom shape too. So mm-hmm. That is a beautiful one. Now, it's one of the older ones. And I know they have removed some roses from their um, catalog. I don't know if yes. Charlotte is still there, but, so, but it is a beautiful one. I think Charlotte was introduced. I want to say it was maybe 1992. And I think it was discontinued this past year. So. Oh. Another yellow one, um, since we're talking about David Austin's, that I've enjoyed is Imogen. It's a, it's a beauty. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I sent um, a photo that I took of the Imogen that I had in my backyard to the Rose Geeks um, calendar for last year. I think it got entered. But um, tremendous sprays on that one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a different bloom. It's just really, really pretty. Mm-hmm. I just, um, I just love it. I just, it's a, it's a nice yellow. It, it kind of blends with other things. I have a lot of pink, and so it, it yeah. just blends in. It, it's a nice blending yellow, and I really enjoy that one. Well, great, uh, great on those selections, and um, I guess I just can't let you go without talking a little bit about this big green egg part of your hobby see all these things that you're fitting into your spare time I just don't even know how you do what you do but I'm seeing some delicious food so how did you get involved with the big green egg so um when we lived in Bethlehem our neighbor had um a big green egg and I would just go out into the garden you know to prune or or deadhead or whatever and I would just smell this food that smelled fantastic coming from next door. And he was always, you know, smoking like a, a pork shoulder or, or something. And I said, you know, like, 
what what are you what is that I'm <laughs> um, and then he'd like go in like this I'm swinging a pork shoulder I'm using peach wood chips and you know this rub and, and stuff like that and I was like I really need one of these so <laughs> I looked into it and I saw the price and I was like Ooh, that's kind of kind of pricey how am I gonna how am I gonna talk Tess into this <laughs> so <laughs> um, so I looked um, and I waited, uh, there's a, um, like an outdoor, it's not a garden center, but it's like an outdoor living center type place. Mm -hmm. They sell, you know, grills and, and, uh, outdoor patio furniture and sheds and, and things like that. And they had a sale. And so I went and I purchased one and I said to Tess, you know, if we, if I use this on a regular basis, we can kind of treat it you know, like another kitchen appliance. It's not just going to be, you know, something that I use a couple times a year. I'll try and use it, you know, a couple times a week. So I, she was like, you know, you better use that <laughs> on a regular basis. So it's <laughs> worth it. And um, the first thing I did was, uh, I think I did ribs first. Okay. So I did ribs on it and Tess was like, okay, this is really good. <laughs> so I got her kind of hooked on it. And then I've done um, whole chickens, I've done chicken wings, I've done pork shoulder, I've done brisket, I've done um, chicken breasts, um, turkey breasts, turkey legs, um, pizzas, and um, mac and cheese, and apple crisp, just all sorts of things. Oh my goodness. And well, cooking was not new to you because I've seen things that you do inside, and yes. you, you are quite the cook, so... So you, you came to it already as, as somewhat of a master. So um, when I was in high school, I worked, um, I lived in Lewisburg, and that's where Bucknell University is. I worked for their catering department all through high school. And so that's kind of where I got interested in cooking. Um, but yeah, so I've just, you know, gone on to the egg and, and I use it, you know, at least once a week. And, you know, in the spring and summer, I'm using it a couple times a week. Um, the one main thing I was concerned about was getting it up to temperature and then maintaining it at a solid temperature instead of it fluctuating a bunch. And just um, just with adjusting the grates, the, the airflow, I've gotten the hang of it. And it's um, become pretty easy to get it consistently at the temperature that I want it at. So... Um, I, you know, post pictures to Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And the, the outdoor living center that I ordered it from, which is called Green Acres, they saw some of my Instagram posts <laughs> and they reached out to me and said, our big green egg representative can't make it to our um, open house where we want to do these grilling demonstrations. Would you be willing to do it? And I said, sure, I'd be thrilled. <laughs> So they said, we usually have a couple thousand people come to <laughs> come to these events because they give out all sorts of like free food and stuff and they do discounts and, and things like that. Um, so they said, you know, here's your food budget and we'll pay you this amount to do to do it. And I said, awesome. So I prepped a bunch of food and it's like as soon as I would put something on the egg, have it cook and I'd pull it off and set it on the table as soon as I turn around to go put something else on the egg, whatever I just put down was gone. <laughs> so, oh, oh my so goodness. Fast. So oh. um, 
Yeah, I've had a tremendous amount of fun doing that. And now um, they don't reach out to their rep anymore and they just call me back each time. <laughs> Cool. So you have something else to to take up your you know yes, vast amount of spare time. <laughs> oh, how fun! Don't make fun of us. Our favorite thing to do this summer. We do not have a big green uh, egg, but we do you know have a nice grill, and we've been doing foil packs, and we're putting like a crab boil inside okay. these yeah. foil packs. It's delicious. You know, I mean, it's pretty quick. It's pretty easy, and we just Definitely. love it. So. It's easy cleanup, and uh, so we're having fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, I'm inspired, and I'm sure our listeners are too. You're just such an inspiration to all of us, regardless of our age. I just love all the things that you're doing, and it's just so good to hear an update. Thank you. Yeah. So keep keep up the good work. I hope things go really well. Um, at the garden. And one other question I have, do you guys have a drip system there or you're watering? Oh, yes. So um, I am so glad you asked that because it's been such an enormous project for me. So the, the farm itself, there are a couple of the incubator farmers are certified organic. So because of that, and also just because of their, um, their rules that are in place, all of the farmers here um, use organic only products and, um, they, they have a well on site that we use for watering the stuff in the greenhouses, but then there's also ponds. There's two big ponds towards the, the one end of the, the farm. And, um, so we, for our fields, we pump the water from the ponds up to our fields. And my field is probably one of the closest to the barn in the greenhouse, which is handy, but Yay. it's also the furthest away from the pond. <laughs> so um, I've had a tremendous amount of issues trying to get the water pressure high enough to actually do anything useful. So for a while I was, um, I had, so it's a, a pump down at the pond that's connected to a two inch um, header line and then I had an adapter to connect a garden hose to that just because I didn't have enough water pressure to do drip lines. And so I wound up watering, you know, like 300 roses out in the field by hand, which we had a drought too for, you know, maybe three weeks in early June, I want to say. And so I was here every day just spending so much time watering. Um, so I was trying to figure out what to do. And just today, I've gotten to run the drip lines for the first time ever. So I'm so excited about that. Um, I wound up getting an IBC tank, you know, the big plastic mm -hmm. yeah. metal cage. Um, so I got a 275-gallon tank. And I connected, I, I'm, I made a two-inch PVC connection from the, the header line to the IBC tank to fill it up from the pond. So with that, it doesn't matter, you know, what the water pressure is or how long it takes. Once the tank is full, then I just turn that pump off. And then I've connected a one-inch line from the tank to a smaller pump. And then from the pump to um, a fertilizer injector. And then from that to the drip lines. So um, I finally got that all set up today. And so I turned the small pump on. It pumps the water out of the IBC tank through 
the fertilizer injector and out to the drip lines and everything worked. So I was so excited. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I was thinking how in the world we, we are having some rains now, but we had that drought too. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's a lot of plants <laughs> that need water whether you get rain or not. So that is really good news. That's going to make your job a lot more fun. Yes, definitely. <laughs> you can do the fun things instead of just one thing. Right. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. So Thank Nate, you. thanks for being with me today. Sure. And I hope things go smoothly and that the garden um, at Hopewell just grows well and that you just have some great feedback from all those walkers. Thanks. So friends, I'm glad you joined us today. And if you haven't listened to Nate's previous podcast titled Reviving Roses and Communities, go back to the Rose Chat Podcast at rosechatpodcast.com and just search for it. Well, until next time, please take time to smell the roses. You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag RoseChat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast. The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.